Hello all and welcome back to Stemming Forward. This is Chris coming to you once again and today we are continuing our conversation on mental health. In the last episode, we discussed the impact of ignoring our stressors, whether that be um, professionally or personally or familially or just in general, ignoring stressors and our triggers and how that impacts us and our mental health. Now we're going to discuss microaggressions and racial biases and how that impacts us. So a microaggression is used to describe a brief and commonplace daily verbal, behavioral, or environmental indignity, whether intentional or unintentional, that communicate hostile, derogatory, or negative attitudes towards stigmatized or culturally marginalized groups. So, for example, you're at work, you're in a board meeting that you're waiting for it to start and one of your coworkers comes in and they're like, wow, your hair is so wild today. I could never be bold enough to do that. That's a microaggression. So we're going to get into that and talk about how that really impacts us and our mental health. All right. So we're going to shift gears a little bit and we've talked a little bit about race, um, in some of the previous topics, but want to dig a little bit deeper into race bias and microaggressions in the workplace. So I'm from the South and I had no clue what microaggressions were until I got to the University of Wisconsin-Madison. Can you give us a general definition of what microaggressions are and how they play a role in our mental health? Microaggressions are really those verbal and nonverbal They can be intentional or unintentional expressions by way of slights, by way of insults that can actually cause a person or communicate some level of disrespect or communicate some level of hostility or send a negative message. So essentially a verbal or nonverbal display in certain environments that can cause a person to feel dismissed, disrespected, feel like they're being attacked or feel like a person who's displaying these microaggressions are being hostile. It could be unintentional as well as intentional. And sometimes I don't think we realize that, that oftentimes that's their norm. And so although to us, it's not normal in their world, it's normal. And so that's why that stuff comes off of their lips so naturally about how our hair is or the colors we wore, how our clothes fit our bodies, right? So yeah, that is interesting. That's definitely interesting. That kind of brings me to an experience I had. I think I told uh, Darian and Dr. K about this before. Um, I took an Uber. I think I was coming from lab one day and I was on my way home and on the strip where I live to get to my house, we passed up multiple different restaurants, you know, Mexican and Italian and all these different things. And then we 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 didn't even pass by this spot that a lot of, you know, black people in the area frequented, which was a fried chicken spot. So we like it was nowhere on the road. We get near my house and to make conversation my white uber driver asked me yeah so have you tried out uh that fried chicken spot down the street and i was like no sir i'm a pescatarian so i don't really eat you know meat right now and he was like oh i thought for sure you would have tried it out and i was just like 
<laughs> like I didn't know what to say. <laughs> so I texted Darian, Dr. K, and I'm like, um, this just happened to me. Like I feel some type of way, but I don't know exactly what I'm feeling. Did he say or suggest this fried chicken spot because I'm black? And they both were like, yeah, you know, yeah, that's typical. Yeah, they do that here. And I was so high key upset, but low key, like kind of hurt and disappointed. Like, wow, you automatically assumed I eat meat and I eat chicken because I'm black. And that wasn't like the only instance of I don't think this is microaggression. This is that was definitely bias and, you know, <laughs> a racial incident. Yeah. So I just. I would bring that up because I'm like, I've experienced this myself and it happens a lot. Again, to them in their world, and I'm not saying it to justify anything, of course, but oftentimes we are offending. It's like, how could you have said that? Like, what made you think that was okay? That's what makes them think it's okay. Because to them, all Black people eat chicken and, you know, it's certain behaviors. They just generalize us across the board with it can be depressive when you're experiencing those regularly occurrences of microaggression, bias, or race issues. And it takes a toll on us. It makes us feel depressed. It makes us feel anxious. So when you're starting to go into certain environments that's predominantly white, you may find your body giving off certain symptoms or signals that, okay, we're on higher level because I just don't feel comfortable in, in being like at ease. It's weird to say it this way, but I feel like I have to have my back against the wall so I can have full range of the view to see who's coming at me from what angle. So the mental effect it has on us, it, it can be, depending on the person, it can be devastating. So that actually transitions really well into the next question. How do these daily microaggressions affect our brain's ability to function? So I know you said we may become depressed, we may be anxious or not at ease. How does that affect us being able to function it really, again, is a personal person thing. However, it can affect your ability to produce. Oftentimes it affects your ability to remain focused. If you're a real creative person, being in those environments where you're feeling like it's hostile or feeling like it's a lot of pressure, things of that sort, and you feel like you always have to defend yourself. If you're a creative person, that can hinder your ability to be creative. It can have a direct, I'm not talking about no indirect, it can have a direct effect on your ability to do your job to operate in certain roles. That's why I say, if you're not used to being in those predominantly white environments, you're gonna learn what your triggers are over time. It won't take long, I can almost guarantee you. It won't take long. You're gonna start picking up on every time so-and-so come around, I feel like I have to be on guard. My girlfriend, she said she had this coworker who's also a social worker and it's a white young lady. The white young lady constantly texting and calling her. Did they send you another client? Because they sent me another client. Every time you sense that situation, it may cause you to start feeling overwhelmed. In high stress environments, stress has a direct impact on your body, your physical health. I can definitely attest to that. Before I got to graduate school, I didn't really know how to manage stress. Yes, I did have stressful situations, but they weren't as bad as when I got to graduate school. So I think I was having some anxiety attacks when I got to graduate school and I was definitely stressed. And there was one period that I can remember where I had so many tests done on me because I was having issues or my stomach was hurt. Like I was in pain and all the tests came back negative. They were like, I'm fine. And I'm like, I'm still in pain though. 
And come to find out, I went home for the break and it was just stress. That's all there was to it. I just needed to go home so that I could, and home being South Carolina, away from that stressful environment in Wisconsin mm-hmm. so that I could de-stress and recharge and get back to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I can definitely relate to that too, because we are in a high stress, high expectation type environment. Like it feels like you're, you're going to drown. Right. And then you go home and you don't feel as stressed as you did before. You feel at peace. You're happy. You're good. You're able to rest. You're able to relax. And I feel like that's essential. I think like Ty said before, that goes back into self care, like knowing what triggers you, what makes you tick, what initiates or causes those feelings or those reactions, your body will tell you what's wrong for majority of the cases. So most times you just need to step back, think about it, relax, do something for you and come back to it. I mean, you have to do that for not just your mental health, of course, for your mental health, but just for you, like in general. Yes. How do our choices is in having a positive mindset or giving off this positive vibe or energy? How does that balance any biases we may experience in school or at work or even in the city, like at the grocery store? Um, That definitely is a a positive reinforcement that you can add to kind of layer yourself in a way of like a form of protective factor type of thing. Having a positive mindset as well as those positive affirmations and things you can say and do to prepare yourself mentally going into that. All of those things are great. The flip side of that, I would say, is also being realistic about the environment mm-hmm. you're going into. Because sometimes we have a habit when we go to towards the positive mind aspect of things, we overly indulge and we're neglectful of the facts. The fact is, this is a real situation I'm in where these people attacking me subtly, right? In a subtle way. And I have to learn how to navigate those environments. So yes, having that positivity, um, having, like you're saying, that energy, that mindset, that's definitely an extra layer of protection. However, the flip side of it is just being aware of the environment you're in. Also, I would add is the fact that recognizing that a lot of this stuff you're encountering and experiencing has nothing absolutely nothing to do with you. It's not your stuff. Mm. It's not your baggage. It's not your stuff. It's not, it's not even your table. You're not even trying to sit at those people table. It's not your stuff. Mm, That's good. So when you realize when you walk in and, you know, Becky come at you from out of left field saying some off the wall stuff, there have been times I have been able to laugh in these people's face when they say some things that they say. And although it was not necessarily appropriate, it was just me realizing you really have problems. <laughs> it was just the realization. <laughs> like I can't even say it without laughing. The realization that she has a real problem. Like really genuinely have a problem. And it really honest, guys, I want to encourage any listeners. A lot of this stuff has nothing, nothing to do with you personally, although it's hard not to take it personal. 
It's a slight mm-hmm. against us as our as a people, not against Ty as the person. Because unfortunately, like we all know, we carry the weight of our whole culture when we go in these environments. Mm-hmm. So I feel like understanding that it's not a personal jab at you. Because like you say, the Uber driver, that man didn't know you from Adam. Right. It <laughs> I'm about to say that. Although it was offensive and hurtful, the truth of the matter is that's his junk. That's him. He sound like a fool saying something like that. There was better ways to make small talk with you other than try to make a culturally appropriate conversation. You don't know nothing about our culture. It just would have been best for you to say, you know, how are you enjoying the city so far? Are you from here? Can we start there, sir? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it's just, again, reminding yourself that a lot of the stuff you're dealing with are uh, as far as the experiences with microaggressions, biases and race related issues. A lot of stuff has nothing to do with you. And when you can separate their junk from yours, oftentimes you can manage those environments a tad bit better. Mm-hmm. That's good then. Uh, are you preaching on here now? <laughs> I ain't even gonna lie. <laughs> okay. How big of a role does racial bias or microaggression play in stress? I feel like in recent times, because it's in our face, guys, right? Oftentimes out of sight, out of mind. That's just the natural, normal coping mechanism as a human race that we use to manage stressors. When stuff is not in our face, we can deal with certain things better. Now that we're in a time in our country where these issues are like on TV all the time, you can't Google anything and a race-related issue won't come. There's almost no topic you probably can't search where race might be involved, right? So it's hard to, you know, manage and deal when it's always in your face. So it's really helpful when we can, like one of you guys mentioned earlier, taking a step back, removing those things. That's another self-care we don't think about. It's called a social media fast. Oh, Please and thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Unplugging. One of us know all about that. All about it. Yeah, like taking a break. Uh, I remember that little commercial. I think it was a Little Caesars commercial. We're off the grid. We're back on the grid. Yes, take your time. Get off the grid. Unplug, unwind, relax, relate, release. Let that stuff go. Separate yourself from it. Create moments where you don't have to be so in tune with the world around us. We have to learn how to balance that better. The stuff we have control over, we should manage. The things we don't have control over, we have to adapt or adjust. Mm -hmm. Relax, relate, or release. That's a word there now. Yes, that is. So relax yourself, relate to your here and now, your present. We oftentimes are so in the future or we're in the past. We're not present. Mm. And release, release that junk that's not for you. Release what you can. Release the cares and the burdens of the world when you can't release that stuff. Whether it's a good old hard, ugly cry, whether it's a, <laughs> whether it's a journal entry, whether it's a book, it might be a book. That's a way of releasing. Or it could be, like you said, a dirty okay. old cry. Because I have a few, quite often. It's <laughs> not everything. Like, I was a mess child. Couldn't nobody see me in yeah. that state. Yeah. Piggybacking off of what you just said, is there a difference 
that maybe race, ethnicity, culture play in how we deal with our mental health. For example, there are stereotypes that exist like, oh, black people are so strong or black people like this and don't like that or black people are so athletic. Yeah, we definitely have those cultural mindsets and thoughts and oftentimes we carry that from generation to generation. I was on a training. We were talking about the Black folks don't go to counseling type of, you know, what's said in our homes, stays in our homes and those types of things, right? And so I was saying like, there's oftentimes generational trauma that is associated with those habits that's been passed down with those, like you're saying, you know, we can handle it. Our people been through slavery and our people have been through this and God kept us. You know, and so they dismiss the gifts and the talents and the abilities that have been placed. You're going to talk about what God delivered you from. He's also created people to help you to navigate those difficult times as well. So we oftentimes generationally have had those traumatic experiences. For example, I was sharing with them that our field originated, unfortunately, but fortunately, it was originated by white people. So therapy, counseling, those types of things, that was started by white women. And naturally, we didn't have access to those types of services back then, guys. We were conditioned to believe it wasn't for us anyway. That's why when we stay in our home, stay in our home. And then we go into some degree, in my opinion, some delusional type thinking, like God created us to carry the weight of the world. And that's not realistic. It's not. How do we effectively discuss periods of mental instability when we're said to be so strong and have the weight of the world and we can carry it? How do we communicate that mental instability with our boss or our PI and even our family? So it really starts with, of course, identifying who, as far as family and friends, who are those people that's a part of your support system? You know, not everybody can handle them being the person, the go-to when you're having a difficult mental problem. On the job, it, I'm going to touch on a job because on a job is a whole nother ball game. But in your family setting, in your friend circle, in your circle of influence, there are certain people, of course, quite naturally in my circle, I'm that person, right? Because I was doing what I'm doing now before I had a degree to do it. Why? Because I kind of was that go-to So identifying those strengths of the people in your circle and knowing who it is you can trust and go to. And like we said before, they're not going to tell you anything in which you want to hear. They're going to encourage you to do things to to improve your situation. They're going to encourage you to take some time off. You need to schedule that vacation. Just do it. Knowing who those people are in your circle on the job. It is a very delicate situation when you're communicating the need for time off or the need for accommodation as a result of mental instability or mental illness or a temporary short-term mental situation. It's a really delicate situation. Part of it is because you don't want to be stigmatized. You don't want to be looked upon as like you're not capable like you're inferior or less than or like you're not able to do the job because you're going through a life difficulty and it's having an effect on your mental stability. So oftentimes I encourage people that come to me, sometimes they come to me by way of their employee assistance program. 
most corporations, most big businesses offer. It's called the EAP, Employee Assistance Program. And most employers provide that as an added benefit with their insurance plans. And that's a confidential program that actually is separate from your actual primary health insurance that does not report anything to your employer. It provides added support. So you go through that EAP program, you get a number of free sessions, you get to determine whether or not this is a long-term issue that you need to continue to get help with or whether those three, four, five, six, or eight sessions EAP give you for free, whether you can resolve it in that short-term period. Depending on how severe your situation is, is where you will talk about potentially taking some FMLE. It's all a play on words, guys. We don't have to give nothing but what's necessary. Truth of the matter is you are not legally obligated to tell somebody I have severe chronic depression. You're not legally obligated to tell that to nobody. You know, that's important for our community to understand a lot of the legal implications of what they say, what they don't have to say, et cetera. You talked about the EAP and how some corporations have included this. I also know that some workplaces and universities have also incorporated mindfulness training. Are there any parallels with this training and therapy? And how effective is this training? Mindfulness is definitely an intervention and a coping skill I highly recommend to my clients. I've used it for myself. I live what I share with my clients. I don't teach or encourage people to do anything that I'm not willing to do. So I've actually used mindfulness myself personally. I've noticed there's been this upward trend with workplaces that incorporates that time where you can come in as a way to kind of decompress during the workday so you can be hopefully more effective with the remaining of your day. And that mindfulness actually is like a companion to therapy. It's a companion to self-care. Okay, so it works in conjunction It's a thing that you can add. It doesn't take long to do. And oftentimes there are apps. There's thousands of mindfulness videos on YouTube that cost you absolutely nothing. From as little as five to 15 minutes to as long as four to six hours. So it's definitely a great tool to add as a part of your toolbox when you're trying to manage your mental health. I can attest to that. I actually just finished a mindfulness training course this last semester, and it was awesome. There were definitely some techniques that I'm trying to practice a bit more now, but it was definitely useful. And I think that we should be made aware, especially now with this whole virtual world and this virtual reality. I think there's probably mindfulness trainings every day that are, like you talked about, just now that are free that we could take advantage of I think putting it out there that these exist is something that we're fortunate at stemming forward to be able to do we want people to know that these things exist and that they are free yeah it's definitely a great tool I'm an avid person like I really push for the mindfulness 
Listen, y'all, I have really enjoyed these last three episodes. I just want to take the time out to thank Mrs. Ty Lofton for appearing and discussing with us childhood trauma, the effects of stressors and ignoring them, and race and bias and microaggressions, and how all of these things impact our mental health. We know it took time and energy to come and speak with us about these topics, but we're thankful and appreciative of you taking the time to do so. So So thank you for your time and your energy. If you would like to learn more about Stemming Forward or you want to be involved in any way, you can follow us on the following platforms. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Stemming Forward. You can find us on LinkedIn by searching for Stemming Forward. Or you can follow us on Instagram at Stemming underscore Forward. If you have any additional questions about today's episode or recent episodes, or you would like us to discuss a specific topic, you can reach us by email at stemmingforward at gmail.com. And Ty has prepared a quote for us to sign off with. So, Ty? This is actually from the book of Proverbs, which is also known as the book of wisdom. And it's um, a scripture from Proverbs 4 and 7, one of my faves. And it says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and with all thy getting, get an understanding. Thank you guys for having me. Thank y'all for listening. And remember, we are stemming forward together.